Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. We're talking today about fear. We're talking about progress. Um, are they mutually exclusive or how do they interact? We're talking about the state of play with regards to some of the, the big issues of our time here on the planet and how we are responding. What motivates us? How can we see whether fear is excessively motivating us, where it might be useful? Because uh, as in some cultures in the past, and um, I know that in ancient Athens, for example, it was built large on a large part on uh, that society's success to keep future focused while simultaneously using history to remain vigilant, just to remain vigilant. So it's not about forgetting or neglecting the past or judging the past or pushing it away, but actually using it as a, as a, as a tool itself to remain vigilant for how we move towards the future. Paying attention. That sounds good. Paying I like attention. that. I mm. like that. <laughs> so uh, for the second half of the show, we're going to zero in a little bit more on the impact of fear globally and uh what we might need to do to to deal with that as a species and to perhaps accelerate our progression uh, and get through these turbulent times of change a little bit quicker than we might otherwise and i there's certainly no doubt that we're facing major global challenges there's no uh, doubt whatsoever and these challenges are increasingly more complex and increasingly compounding so one challenge is impacting another challenge and therefore making it more difficult difficult for us to see pathways through these challenges is if if they're all interconnected and we try and deal with one but then there's other challenges that are impacting our efforts to try and deal with one on its own how do we move forward how do we cope and right now as a species that's looking like a fairly hopeless uh, situation for many many people and and quite rightly so I guess one of the things that just just to butt in there for a second, one of the things that happens, I guess, when people are challenged is that they, is they want simplicity. They don't want complexity. They want simple answers. They want a sort of linear approach. Like if this happens, this is happening. We need to do this. That's to the mitigate. regression. That's, That's the, the regression, regression. Yeah, yeah, which takes us back to simpler thinking. Yeah. So it takes yeah. us quite a big conscious move to actually start to receive or accept or begin to allow complexity into our our. Uh, analysis of various situations and various challenges and problems, whether it be personal or global. And, and fear is a key issue there, and this is why we're talking about it today, is that if we get lost in the fear, if we fall into the fear and hopelessness, then we also dumb ourselves down and we further reduce our likelihood of facing these challenges yeah. successfully. Yeah. And so while fear can be a wonderful alarm system and can be very good for making people sit up and take notice. If it's overdone, if we get lost in it, then uh, it, it actually makes things worse. And that's a very, very fine line, that tipping point there. Yeah. And we certainly need to up our game. And from my perspective, evolution certainly, certainly has that in hand because we can see that we have been thrust into a change dynamic which is actually taking us to a higher place even though uh, it's confusing because we're actually taking one step backwards to go two steps forward 
but that is the normal yeah. way of things. And mm. we can look back at, as, as we've often spoken about previously in this program, we can look back to the previous paradigm shift between the agricultural authoritarian paradigm your era into the modern scientific industrial and we see that we went backwards mm. before we move forwards there also and i think anybody on a pers- very personal level would have that experience in life i think it's basically true for everybody you, you don't have a, a purely forward or a purely backward trajectory or very rarely anyway you do move two steps forward one step back that's how we operate it gives it brings that tension to our to our consciousness which enables a jump a leap uh, becomes available to you and perhaps a different way of thinking different way of seeing things yeah and that is the way of complex systems. And, of mm. course, human consciousness, human nature is a very, very complex system. Mm. So I guess the the key here is if uh, we can be conscious of the change process and understand the patterns that are playing themselves out and work with those patterns, we can potentially accelerate our progress through this change, which means less fear, less hardship, and a smoother trajectory overall. Mm. And we're living at a time of major, major power shifts uh, connected with this consciousness shift we're seeing the decline of the global superpower the united states fairly clearly and people are unsure about what's going to happen next is there going to be another nation state that will rise up to become the new superpower and will you know basically repeat the pattern over again Uh, or are we going to see an absolute decline in the power of nations and the emergence of a global government for Mm -hmm. example Mm -hmm. and if we are going to see the emergence of a global government who would that be and who would lead that government, what sort of leadership we do. We have talked about leadership on this program before, and it's a topic we'll continue to talk about because it's a contested space in a way. The old form of leadership and the old ways of hierarchy most people are pretty suspicious of, but clearly the right people need to be in the right place in order to get things done now. We don't have, it would seem, in my judgment, many people in the right place to get things done, but they're in the right place in terms of the regression that we're talking about because we've got the Trumps and the Boris Johnsons and even the Scott Morrisons here in this country and others leading countries. Bolsonaro in Brazil is a very good example of this regressive step back into an old form of politics, a reactionary, reactive, uh, conservative, old values, uh, morals and the like, and quite ruthless in, uh, and of course China in Hong Kong is the, the obvious one going on right now and that uh, China clearly uh, scaring the bejesus out of, or trying to scare the bejesus out of the Hong Kong protesters no doubt and using fear right there to, to try and quell this uprising but uh, yeah it's not going to go away It's not going to go away, uh, I, I must say though that I've been heartened to see that there hasn't been any hasty extreme action taken there You know, I think so far, so far mm. China has been relatively uh, calm in terms of its response. I mean, certainly it's not all uh, wine and roses, but it's not all a major disaster yet either. No. Yeah, very interesting. So we've got some really interesting dynamics going on given all of this uh, our global situation. We're seeing an increase in fear. We're seeing uh, a values regression, which in many cases is dumbing down our thinking, making us look for simpler answers to extremely complex questions, which we're absolutely not going to find. And simultaneously, with that backwards motion, we're also seeing the rise of a new way of being human. So it's important to remember that it's not all about collapse. Mm. And this is often lost because it's just not reported very much in the mainstream media. Yep. Is at the same time, we've got new technologies, we've got new, new ways of thinking, we've got new social structures emerging, which are actually superior in their capacity to cope with complexity mm. than the scientific industrial way has been. And this is probably the, the positive application of social media, for example, the, the 
the networks that are being created around the world under under the radar, hopefully mostly still, uh, and uh, in in ways that are completely new, new new connections with different people from all over the world, very fast uh, on the same sort of page somewhere with their interests. And I'm thinking, for example, the psychedelic movement is an obvious one in the world, yep. um, and there are others as well. So there are there are these sort of this alternative uh, network of uh, of connections arising beneath the, the the structures of the status quo, so to speak. That's right, and that is absolutely a threat to the yep. old ways. So it's a, a threat to the status quo, the dominant paradigm still being the modern scientific, industrial, mm. nationalistic, corporate-driven military mm. way. And uh, so ask yourself, if you were in the chair of the uh, old paradigm and you saw this happening, this new... Uh, way of being human rising which seemed to be a threat to current authority structures and you also saw a whole bunch of people being uncertain and fearful then which of those two things would you feed <laughs> Uh, in order to be able to hold on or try and hold on to your power. Well, I have a lovely quote here. I'm just reading it as you spoke. It says, Hatred is corrosive of a person's wisdom and conscience. The mentality of enmity can poison a nation's spirit, instigate brutal life and death struggles, destroy a society's tolerance and humanity, and block a nation's progress to freedom and democracy, or to wherever we think we should be going. But there you go. I mean, that 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 uh, stimulation of hatred and fear that's going on in many of our cultures now, especially especially in the West, but not just certainly in the in the Middle East as well, of course, uh, is is highly corrosive to this project. And you've got to wonder about that uh, that uh, stimulation of that of that in society. How we're being taught, many of us, to hate and to fear each other. Yeah, it's certainly been a, f- a feature of global politics. Uh, for a long time, but certainly for the last 20 years with all yep. of the, the wars, the, the massive scare pan- campaigns that we saw in the Middle East about the weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. And uh, here in Australia, the politics of uh, illegal immigrants, refugees yes. Yes. coming in, you know. The children uh, overboard. <laughs> all, all of those sorts yes. of things. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I hope this is starting to help make sense of what's actually going on and some of the hidden agendas that might be at play Uh, And uh, we're slowly, with the rise of transparency and social media playing a big part in that, we're starting to see through the hidden agendas uh, where, for example, whole systems have been set up across society with really the ultimate ultimate aim of making a lot of money for a very small number of people and to the detriment of most people within society. And yet they've been done in such a, a carefully crafted and calculated way that we haven't even noticed, you know, and they've been like in full flight and then all of a sudden we realise that, wait a minute, the pharmaceutical industry, for example, just wants us to stay sick and keep taking their tablets so they can make money. And that is one example out of many, many examples. And we're going to have more revelations over the coming years Mm. as more of these things come to light, that Mm. these social systems which have supposedly been put in place to help us and have to uh, certainly to a large extent been helpful but have slowly been corrupted over time due to the the phenomena of corporate capture uh, to the point where they are helping a small percentage of people make money more than they're actually helping society so it's again it's it's a very very complex situation it's certainly not black and white Mm. but there's a trend there that is slowly becoming more obvious and it's important to reiterate in terms of Claire W. Graves' work that we refer to all the time here that uh, everything in its 
paradigm as as one exists or a culture exists in that paradigm will solve problems of the previous paradigm. It will solve many problems. That's why the world actually has progressed hugely in the last few hundred years in many, many different parameters that you can identify. At the same time, though, a whole new raft of problems is then created which has to be solved with a different way of thinking, a different paradigm. And that's really the one of the essences of what we're talking about here. It is, yeah. We're not here saying that no. things are inherently wrong mm. uh, or inherently bad. We're just looking at the natural evolution of cycles and how these things play out. And in the early stages of a new paradigm, it, as Nick said, it does solve our old problems. It brings a new complexity and a new capacity, and then eventually it reaches a peak, and then eventually it will deconstruct itself to make room for the next paradigm. And we're living right now in that deconstruction phase mm. and the rise of a new paradigm. And what it really comes down to is being conscious about where you put your attention and your energy. And it's very easy at this time to get sucked into the fearful stories and sucked into the pessimism and you know giving up hope but if you're conscious of the overall patterns at play and you actually want to build a better world and you want to go with constructive instead of destructive then there are places where you can put your attention that are going to help create what's next yeah yes uh, we'll take a break there. i was going to bring up one other thing but we'll, we'll leave that there's one other text we'll come back to here you're tuned to future sense with nick jeans and steve mcdonald engage emerge Activate and spiral up. Bay FM wishes to advise that the views expressed in this program are not necessarily the views of the Bay FM Management Committee, volunteers, operational staff, or members. You are now tuned to Future Sense here. And we're talking about fear today and how it affects us individually, but also how it affects us as a species and its value in acting as an alarm system, helping us to take notice of things that are important and may even threaten our survival perhaps, but also how there is a tipping point and when we allow fear to control us too much and we disappear into it, then we become much less effective, much less able to solve complex problems. And at this present time in history, with the massive challenges that we're facing globally, we really need to be careful of overdoing the fear and getting carried away with uh, viral fear campaigns Mm. because uh, they take us away from actually looking at the complexity of the problems that we're facing and understanding those problems and finding solutions. I think you uh, just made me think of something I think you posted on our Future Sense Facebook page the other day about uh, the mind, about thoughts about uh, having thoughts and watching thoughts and the difference between that because there's nothing wrong with you. one having the thoughts about I, th- there's fear here I could be afraid I'm thinking about this but also to watch that's how I'm thinking now yes, and yeah, that's more exactly. interesting yeah Exactly. And uh, you know, it's that. It's it's really about consciousness is mm. how much can we be conscious of. Mm. And we are really at a time in history where we want to be as conscious as we can be when we're talking about these things. And this is a very difficult discussion to have because it's uh, yeah, sometimes a bit of a fine line between talking about the complexity of the problems that we're facing and some of the factors that are at play and falling into overly simplistic conspiracy theories. So uh, we want to make that point. And we're going to talk a little bit about some new climate science, which has just been released in the last week, which is actually quite amazing. And it adds, I think, a lot of value to the discussion about climate change and the challenges that we're facing around climate change. And it came in the form of a video that was released through a YouTube channel called Suspicious Observers, which sounds a bit weird, you might say. Uh, But it's quoting a lot from uh, a, 
a chap called Dr. Brian Tinsley, who is Professor Emeritus from the Univers- University of Texas at Dallas, and he sounds like an Australian. Uh, yes, he does listen, listening to yes, him, so yes. I, I gather with, he's with a, a bit of an accent. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's basically packed full of science and graphs in fact it's mostly this video is actually a recording of a lecture that was given obviously to a bunch of scientists it's a little bit overwhelming uh, for most people who don't have a scientific background and and even you know i've got a uh, a bit of experience around science i'm not a scientist but it's been a, a big uh, interested mine for most of my life Mm. Uh, even I felt a little bit overwhelmed watching it the first time trying to take in everything that they were saying but essentially what they've done is they pulled together 600 peer-reviewed scientific papers which look at the impact of the sun's uh, behavior on the terrestrial climate and I think they're really unpacking a lot of additional information which hasn't been part of the mainstream climate change discussion at the moment and that has the potential to change the way that we're looking at climate I, I don't think it necessarily reduces the the risk that we're facing from climate change I think that we are facing a very very considerable risk there and the more we understand about how our climate works the better we'll be able to prepare for what's coming down the track uh, but what it does is is it it leads us away from what has become a very dumbed down uh, global discussion and really a, a fear-driven viral meme mm. uh, that's driving many many people at the moment and as this video um, says in one summary you could say because I, I watched it too and it's it's very useful and we will post it on our various platforms a bit later on for you to have a look at if you wish it's about an hour long uh, the summary for me is uh, on one slide which says anthropogenic focused studies do not properly account for the sun, for cosmic rays, for volcanoes, or for the ice age cycle. Uh, and there are other things too, uh, other other forms, but th- that's essentially uh, a good little summary of it. Yeah, I, I think it's important to say too that the video starts with a little statement about the need to clean up our act on the planet. Yes. And it it just distinguishes between the issue of changing our behaviour so yeah. that we're not polluting our atmosphere, our water, our oceans, soil, everything. our soil, yeah. uh, and living in a sustainable and even regenerative way. Mm. And distinguishing that from understanding the climate and being able to predict the climate because these are not the same issues and this is part of what's happening and whether it's been manipulated intentionally or whether it's just been a natural way that the the, uh, global discussion has has run its course Mm -hmm. we are lumping in the same basket uh, ecological awareness uh, you know a desire to clean up the planet with uh, particular attitudes towards climate change and these things are actually very very different issues and the um, the impact of lumping them all in the one basket is that the discussion gets dumbed down to the point where if somebody expresses uh, a different view of the science around climate change, automatically they get thrown in that basket and automatically you assume that they are pro-pollution, pro-fossil fuels and all these sorts of things, and that's just fundamentally wrong. It's pretty lazy thinking. It is very lazy that's thinking. That's what it is. It's it, lazy thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably better to say it's less complex thinking you know it's it's not necessarily intentional lazy behavior it's just the fact that somebody's thinking has regressed to the point where everything has to be black and white and you can't see the shades of gray in between and what we're saying here of course is that our emotional response our fear-driven responses when they are overwhelming when they're too much can make us 
perhaps susceptible to an oversimplified version of things because it makes sense to them. It proves our point, perhaps. It gives us justification for how we feel and for the actions that we might take. But perhaps it's not complex enough to to look at things in that way, That to stop and to have a look. Well, this is how I'm thinking. Perhaps if I just sit back and allow some of the other information that's out there to at least inform me, I don't have to agree with it, I don't have to like it, I might have contesting arguments, but to at least begin to receive it and to move away from this oversimplification of these issues. And the aim here is to understand climate change so that we can deal with the major, major challenges that seem to be coming down the track. And certainly everything that we've looked at in the course of our discussions on this show uh, is indicating that we are in for dramatic climate change and it is going to severely disrupt life on the planet in many, many different ways and we need to prepare for it. The question is, what are we preparing for? Mm. That's the key question. Yeah. We're seeing right now, of course, a uh, massive hurricane in the Bahamas and uh, likely to hit the east coast of the United States. It apparently is the biggest, as it stands right now, the biggest storm ever recorded in that part of the world in the time that records have been kept. And that's an indication of the power of what is actually happening on this planet, that these extreme weather events are occurring more and more frequently. The reason that they're occurring, however, perhaps is much more complex than simply anthropogenic uh, forced climate change. Yeah, in this video that we're talking about, uh, they very simply break climate change down into the sum of natural variability. So in other words, natural cycles that occur on the planet, which change the climate from time to time, and the human impact. And they make the point that if we don't fully understand the natural variability, then we can't scientifically account for its impact on the climate change. And what's happening in the current debate is that anything that we don't understand scientifically, the change that's resulting from those things that we can't see or don't understand is being attributed automatically to human impact. And what this is doing is it's uh, it's biasing skewing our it, understanding, yeah. skewing our understanding towards thinking that there is more human impact than perhaps there actually is. Mm. Now, this is not saying that the climate's not changing and it's not saying that we're... We haven't contributed facing, to it. Yeah, we're facing major challenges and, mm. and it's also, as you said, not, not saying that we haven't contributed to it. But what it is... Uh, saying is that our current understanding is not adequate. And I think that's quite clear because when we look at the climate models which are constantly being put forward by the United Nations IPCC, we know for a fact that these models don't work. They don't reflect what's actually happening uh, from day to day on the planet in terms of weather trends and uh, and climate trends. So I I think, and this is something that's getting lost in the fear-driven global discussions, is is the simple fact that we actually don't have a climate model that can predict climate change and yet here we are working on assumptions that we know exactly what's happening we know what's coming down the track and those false assumptions are then serving as the foundation for secondary scientific studies and it blows me away seeing these sorts of things happen but it's also it's part of the the way that the values shift and the values regression is impacting science itself that people are writing research papers saying that oh in 100 years time the all of the oceans are going to change color because of the linear global warming trend when there's actually no solid scientific foundation for the linear global warming trend at all so um i I really think if you're interested in the science around uh, climate change, it's worth taking a look at this video. And as Nick said, we'll post the uh, the links after the show. Um, and the uh, the fundamental, you know, the beginning of the, the video is just making the point that 
if the foundations of our climate understanding, our, our research are wrong, then um, we are actually uh, working on a false assumption. And, and the great danger here is that we prepare for global warming and get surprised by something different. And, and that is perhaps even more of a disaster in some ways. Yeah. The complexity of the video is fantastic to me, and even less than you, you're more scientifically able to, to comprehend some of the science in that I know. Uh, I found it compelling, this particular video, and very scientific and very direct, and uh, didn't feel like it was some sort of manipulation at all. What I did realise very quickly was the complexity is extraordinary. The way that the Earth itself, and uh, on its axis, around the solar system, going around the sun, moving through space in this galaxy, uh, is extraordinary and the influences electric magnetic uh, cosmic radiation all of these factors continually impact on the ionosphere and the atmosphere of the earth in in a in a very complex way uh, inter interfering with clouds and uh, the movement of uh, the cycles of weather and uh, the ocean currents and uh, ice uh, ice coverage on the planet, the, the melting and the, the accruing of glaciers, everything. All of these factors, and I think I'm missing some, th some things, all feed into the complexity of what ha weather actually occurs on this planet. Yeah, and the complexity is the key here because the complexity in these uh, arguments being put forward far exceeds the complexity of the the mainstream discussion and that complexity is a reflection of the level of consciousness that's being brought to the issue and when we come back from a break uh, i'll just go through some of the key points from the video absolutely yeah, in uh, future sense it's 10:43 here we'll be back in a minute you're tuned to future sense with nick jeans and steve mcdonald engage emerge activate and spiral up you're tuned to Future Sense here with Steve and Nick. Thanks for your text. Um, one text I'll just read quickly. It's also worth mentioning, says our writer, that Claire W. Graves noted that once a systemic layer of consciousness is reached, then fear is dramatically reduced. And we don't have time to really talk much about that here today, but that's quite that's quite true. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is particularly associated with the transition from first tier to second tier. So yeah. uh, technically not the systemic level, but at the end of the systemic level, which transitions. Uh, sorry, sorry I, let me correct myself there yeah. in language. Um, it's, it's between layer six and layer seven. So at layer six, we get a systems uh, way of operating. And then quite correctly, the, the uh, text uh, author yeah. there says, as we transition from six into seven, which is from the first tier and the second tier, yeah. and layer seven becomes systemic. So that's like a system of systems understanding then we get this massive reduction in fear. So yes, that's quite correct. Mm. Um, so we're just talking about uh, examples of fear-driven discussions and particularly just uh, honing in on some new climate science that's come through uh, in the last week, which we think adds a lot of value to the global climate discussion and may help us dig us out of this kind of pit of fear that everybody seems to be falling into at the moment. And it's particularly focused on an understanding of this, the sun's energy dynamics. At the moment, the current climate models, which are um, being referenced by the IPCC, which is the, from the United Nations uh, Environment Program, are working on an understanding that solar energy contributes only a very, very um, tiny amount to the impact of uh, climate change on the planet. And the, the science that they're using there is uh, saying that the total impact on warning is about 0.1% mm -hmm. at the moment, at, 
but all they are considering is um, is basically UV radiation. Yeah. And the new science, which has just been released uh, in this video, which came out about a week ago, is really unpacking the sun's energy output in the many, many different ways that it interacts with the planet. And uh, it's uh, it's really helping us understand that there's a whole lot more going on there than is being acknowledged by climate science at the moment. And it's, it's important, too, to note that we have these divisions between science, which is a product of the scientific industrial era, which everything's specialised, everything's gone deep but uh, within very very narrow confines mm. and we have all these bits of science which are disconnected from the other bits of science and so there's a whole bunch of people that have been studying the sun's dynamic solar dynamic solar interaction with the earth but they're not climate scientists yeah. and um, for some reason the the united nations uh, ipcc scientists group isn't interested in talking to climate to scientists outside the climate science domain which in itself is suspicious from my point of view and it, it suggests that there may be a hidden agenda there uh, because it's it's uh, quite clear when you read the IPC's reports that they say they state very very specifically in many of their reports that they are focused on the human contribution to climate change only Mm. and their models are, are really not studying what's actually happening. I mean, they don't use those words, but they say that our models are focused only on the human contribution to climate change because we think that's most important. Mm. And that, in fact, is is just not a scientific approach. You know, scientists don't discard data. Scientists look at all the data and then make an assessment. On and it is, it, it is a bit suspicious because it is excessively anthropocentric. And if you look at the longer, longer scales of changes on the planet that we now, with, with that very same science, or some of that, some of our best science can can see some of the the long patterns of solar activity, the long patterns of the weather of climate on the planet, and really look at that as as the bigger picture. And yes, the the, the little bit or the amount that human activity has influenced it, yes, that's that's there. We still don't know exactly what the, how that factors in, but to disregard the long cycles is uh, is a big one. Yeah. And this new information, uh, I'm calling it new information, but in fact a lot of it's been around for quite a while. In fact, there's a, an article that I pulled up, which I'll, I'll tweet after this, uh, by a NASA-sponsored scientist, a researcher from 2012, uh, and it states, there are, places, there are places where the magnetic field of Earth connects to the magnetic field of the Sun, creating an uninterrupted path leading from our own planet to the Sun's atmosphere 93 million miles away. And the science that's been just been published in this video is talking about the sun's output as being a makeup of a variety of waves, including X-rays, ultraviolet rays, and visible light across the spectrum. There, particles, including protons and electrons, magnetic fields, uh, including these massive magnetic connections, which were what this guy was talking about in his uh, research about the pathways from the Earth to the sun, uh, and vice versa and uh, things called Birkeland currents, which are yeah. electrical currents which uh, are transferred from the sun uh, and into the Earth's atmosphere and, and stimulated uh, by the movement of particles through our atmosphere. Uh, and, uh, and there are all sorts of impacts that come from these different energy exchanges. Uh, all of them, except for ultraviolet rays, are uh, basically not visible to the IPCC's climate models. So there's a tremendous amount of energy that's being exchanged there, which is just not being considered by the IPCC's climate science. And we have things like cosmic rays uh, seeding clouds on the planet. There's good science around that now. And all of this science that was, was presented in the, the video is a compilation of 600 peer-reviewed papers mm. uh, on this topic. 
And interestingly, the variation in the incoming energy from the sun's output can vary anywhere from up to 10 times to 1,000 times. So it can be quite an extreme difference between, for example, what they call uh, grand solar maximum and grand solar minimum in terms of the amount of energy which is coming from the sun. And it can increase very, very quickly and it can drop away very, very quickly. And one of the um, archaeological examples that they've found of a rapid change in climate on the planet was the discovery some years back of uh, some woolly mammoths that had been frozen yeah. to death instantly but still had grass in their stomachs and mouths. Yes. So yeah. they were, at one moment they were eating grass on a grassy plain and in a very, very short space of time they were frozen to death before they could even digest the grass. And, um, and of course, that was the result of... Um, a big movie that came out a few years back called The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, yes. The scenario yes, of the, the sudden freeze. If you want to get scared, that's a good movie to get scared by. Not that, <laughs> yeah. not that it's a particularly good movie, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so these current models that were presented in this video basically are showing a decrease in energy uh, when the largest... So, sorry, let, let me uh, correct myself there. The IPCC's models, which are only focused on ultraviolet radiation, their current... Uh, data shows that when the sun's energy output increases that the net energy received by the earth decreases yeah. and so they're they're not only inaccurate they're actually working in the opposite direction uh, than they should be uh, if they had a full understanding and uh, allowance for this extra energy that's coming from the sun through all of these different waves mm. particles magnetic and electrical fields mm. And the lost energy in the model is automatically added to the human impact side because there's nowhere else to put it, because there's no scientific understanding from natural variations of why this energy exchange occurs. And so that's automatically being allocated to human impact and, and quite incorrectly, therefore, skewing our understanding of how climate works on the planet. And uh, as we're moving into a period of... Uh, grand solar minimum at the moment the sun's energy exchange uh, with the earth is reducing considerably well there's a lot to think about thanks for the last couple of texts there and uh, rod has written science is merely observation of nature's laws not superior i like that um and uh, another text great show guys bravo one question i've had for a while now is once we have all this information in our heads what are we able to do to help with the change process on a global level that's a, a really good, good question question i think first and foremost most of our effort should be going into preparing for climate change uh, but we need to have a solid understanding, a scientific understanding of what that means. And the, at this early stage, th there is a, there's an indication that it doesn't mean total global warming and it doesn't mean total global cooling, although it seems to be pointing very, very clearly towards a mini ice age. Uh, and uh, from what I understand about that now, what that means is that the Northern Hemisphere is going to get impacted quite severely by cold weather. Uh, and yet the southern hemisphere will have a, a much uh, 
milder experience out of it but it will also of course mean cooler temperatures and during the transition phase so while the climate is changing and before it settles down into whatever's next you know if and and that may be a mini ice age we're going to get extremes in both directions because that's what happens when complex systems go through change they have spikes of warm and spikes of cold weather and that's exactly what we're seeing on the planet right now even though the the spikes of warm weather are getting much more media coverage than the spikes of cold weather Mm. but uh, we we saw some really severe um, cold weather particularly in North America and Europe for during their last winter when that polar vortex came down over North America yeah exactly that's it for the show for today. Thanks for joining us here on Future Sense. You can get to our podcasts at futuresense.it or from your usual podcast platforms. It's usually available within a couple of days, the edited version of the show. Also at the Bay FM website, you can see straight away at the program page of Future Sense uh, the, uh, the show for the day and what's going on and what's been going on there. And uh, you can check us out on Twitter at Future, Future Sense Show. Thanks for joining us here today. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.